embrace life with a change for the better. Challenge your comfort zone with Glenn Miller, your personal comfort zone coach, enabling you in whatever way you may need to, to step outside your comfort zone. The Outside Your Comfort Zone podcast explores proactive and practical tips based on years of lessons learned and expert skills and advice that will enable you to accomplish more. Each episode puts a spotlight on topics and experts in their field who will compel you to action and to get more things done outside your comfort zone. So, Chloe Sachs, welcome to Outside Your Comfort Zone. Thank you. Um, and, and today, specifically, we want to get straight into outside your food, nutrition, your diet comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, for the listeners, I'm here with you, Chloe Sachs. And Chloe, maybe to get us started, um, I'll just take a transcript off your website. Okay. Um, because in my profession, uh, digital strategy and customer experience, a website is, is a massive conduit for every business between the customer and the products or service, right? So... For guests, um, I'll share the website in the show notes, obviously. But as far as uh, a segue, just taking off your website where you say, I'm an accredited practicing dietitian and an accredited nutritionist experienced in assessing and treating a range of diet-related health conditions in babies through to adults with a particular emphasis. And it goes on listing the broad range of skills that you have. So I just thought maybe uh, as a start, we could just review kind of the differences in that background between a dietitian and a nutritionist. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a question a lot of people, I guess, wonder about or ask. Often I get sort of um, presented with that when I first meet people. And I guess the main difference is a dietitian has usually been clinically trained. So they're trained to treat a range of health conditions like kidney disease, liver failure, um, you know, cancer and people going through chemotherapy, that sort of thing, as well as advise on general healthy eating and, and weight loss and fussy eating in kids and all those sort of things. And a dietitian generally has been to university and has a bachelor or a master's degree. Um, as well as that, a dietitian is is the, the sort of the, the profession that's more likely to be engaged by like the government, government organizations or like hospitals, clinics and things like that. A nutritionist is more, I guess, general healthy eating, um, certainly weight loss. Um, yeah. And, and not sort of so clinically trained. So a, a nutritionist wouldn't be seen in sort of a, a hospital capacity or um, in aged care and, and places like that. So, um, so yes. And as far as I guess, like health funds or Medicare. Um, Medicare will generally only pay for dietitians. Um, you'll get the rebate there, and, and health funds will pay, sort of will, health funds will give you a rebate towards dietitians and nutritionists. But uh, Medicare is definitely um, sort of more related to a dietitian. And if you go to your GP and get a referral, it'll be to a dietitian to get um, a, a, a Medicare plan. So I hope that makes it a bit more a bit clearer. Yeah. So I think again for our listeners and and maybe just drum, distilling it down, would you? You say like dietitian is more around kind of the formalities almost in in, yes. in health and, and body where nutrition is more along the lines of healthy eating and food. Absolutely. Yes. That, that's, that's a good way of summarizing it. Cool. Okay. No, awesome. Because I think that that's quite important. And when I think about your explanations mm. and then on your website there where it says babies to adults, I thought it's quite an interesting thing because, and also look, to give context, I suppose our listeners, they may have already been to a dietitian 
in their life. They may have been to a nutritionist in their life. Mm. Um, I know there, there's a homeopathic element out there, which is not you, but they may have. And so I think when we think about health and life, age is a big thing. And so what's yes. interesting is, and I think maybe this is a nice unique point of difference with you. You talk about like babies all the way through to kind of adults and beyond. And so my question is, are all dietitians in that same kind of boat or is there specialized, um, you know, same with nutritionists, is there a specialized age group that some might specialize in adolescence, et cetera? Absolutely. Um, and often you'll get dietitians that say only see adults or only see kids. Some will do both. Um, yeah, it's so it, I guess it just depends sort of dietitian to dietitian um, and I guess what their particular skill set or interests are. So, you know, fussy eating kids or allergies in kids uh, obviously is quite different to looking at um, like a, a geriatric uh, person and what, what their needs might be um, and then everything in between. So, yeah, it does, it does vary from dietitian to dietitian certainly and we do tend to specialise a little bit in that way. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And like, so, Chloe, for people that come and see you, is it generally weight loss? Is it a broad variety? Like the majority of people that see you, what types of conditions would you see quite frequently? Mm. So certainly weight loss is a big part of it. Um, bowel conditions, definitely. So um, IBS, um, Crohn's disease. Um, yeah, I had a lady yesterday who is, is burping a lot and, and, and can't seem to sort of manage that. So obviously there's, there's diets we can, um, we can, you know, we, we, I looked at her diet and, and gave her some suggestions as well. Um, uh, and then a lot of interest in plant-based diets now in the last couple of years um, and certainly diabetes, cholesterol, um, those sort of conditions are, are very common. Um, fatty liver disease is another condition which we're seeing more and more um, and that's, the rise in fatty liver disease is, is um, concurrent with the sort of the rise or increase in, in obesity. So, yeah, those, I think those would be the sort of the, the majority of cases that, that dietitians often see. On your website, you say, my aim is for clients to stop dieting yes. and to change the way they view food and eating to achieve a healthy relationship with food and still to be able to eat their favorite treats. Yes. <laughs> I feel like there's so much to unpack from that one sentence. Yes. Just, I suppose, to hone in on something I hope our listeners can take away with them and apply immediately in their minds and impact immediately, I suppose, their body, right? So can we explore that word diet? And so I think, I think these days, when, when people come to me, I always look, I try to look very holistically at the person. So I tailor what I say to every client. I don't, you just, you can't just give someone a diet sheet and send them on their way. It's, it's got to be about know, what their occupation is. So what their work environment's like with regard to food and eating, who they live with, you know, um, do they travel a lot? Um, are they very social? Um, all these things really impact food choices every day. And, you know, we eat four, five, six, you know, maybe more times a day. So so where we are, who we're with, it really does impact, um, you know, our choices and therefore, um, you know, our, our weight as well. So it's really got to be, you've got to look at the whole person. It's got to be um, a, a very much individualised or tailored approach. And it's got to be balanced as well because I think diet has come to mean, um, you know, very strict regimented way of eating that you can't have anything you like. It's, you know, and you feel 
deprived. I think there's this sort of this deprivation inherent in that word diet. And that's why diets just don't work long term. You know, 95% of diets fail, as they say. So if you're constantly feeling deprived or restricted, you know, I suppose unhappy in what you're eating, then you're just not going to keep doing it long term. And, And I think that's that's just something I really try to get away from very much. And so tailored approach, sitting down with the person, um, you know, we construct a, a plan together um, and, and making small changes over time is what works. Trying to change everything all at once or dive into a, sort of a regimented um, plan just is really just, just too difficult and unsustainable for most people. So okay. So mm-hmm. like going back to that word, those words, weight loss and diet, mm-hmm. and what I think I'm hearing you also say is really it's about a healthy food management plan but also folding in lifestyle. Yeah, sure. Um, so obviously, you know, activity increases your metabolism, your metabolic rate, it burns calories. Um, if you're doing strength training, you know, the research suggests that even when you sit back down after you finish your strength training session, you're burning more calories than if you've done a cardio session. So, yeah, certainly acti- the level of activity very much um, determines how we formulate a plan for someone. And we might include more carbs at meal times. We might include more snacks if someone's more energetic. Um, conversely, if they are quite sedentary, if they're working from home, as a lot of people obviously do nowadays post, post-COVID, um, then, you know, you can be doing two, 3,000 steps a day just working at home. So that's a very low-level activity, quite sedentary. Um, the average Australian, the average Australian adult is quite sedentary. So we do have to take that into account when we formulate a plan, certainly. Mm. Yeah, because it's an interesting thing. I think you and I brought it up last time, and I'd noticed on one of my sleep recording devices that, you know, you burn carbs while you're sleeping. And that yeah. for me, that was a revelation. It was like it was the first time I realised, hang on, everything's connected, yes. but your body, the heart, things are still beating and moving yes. and kind of consuming while we're asleep. Yes. And it almost got me also thinking to when you wake up in the morning, so coming back to what you just said, people, you know, there's a nine to five in those that work. Mm-hmm. I suppose, you know, there's a whole bunch of mum and dads out there that don't work. You know, they're quite busy. They're doing shopping, driving kids to school. But I suppose one, if one's thinking healthy, balanced diet, uh, and, and or food management plan, as we were saying. Yes. I suppose it's also maybe looking at weight loss because I'm just balancing these things on a scale, right? Weight, weight loss might be really an enemy here in those words. Like if you're looking at, at the psychology of weight loss versus a healthy food management plan. Yes. I guess what I'm reading into is there's an amount of energy a body needs. Yes. So I suppose body group type shape that would impact it as well. Absolutely. So your age, your gender, your activity level, your muscle mass, um, and that muscle mass is often determined to a certain extent by your genes as well. Um, so, yeah, all those things come into play when you're looking at metabolism. And, and you know, interestingly, we talk about the genes, even within a family, it can be quite different. Um, I've had clients, I've seen a mother and a daughter and their sort of metabolism um, and I suppose body shape was quite similar and then the other daughter was was quite different and formulating quite different plans for them. Um, yeah, look, it's just part of the job. But, yes, it's um, certainly, yes, look, we're all different, that's for sure. I recall seeing on Oprah Winfrey once, like probably 20 years ago, on her show she had like the four different body types you oh, know, yes. clearly the shapes i think so again some i think women but maybe men find it hairy to talk about these things but i think if people want to get 
deep and introspecting with themselves, you know, lose weight, improve life, get outside the comfort zone. Yes. The big thing is, okay, you know, if I'm standing on a scale and I'm looking at a weight, I guess the message I would love people to take away with is like, don't be so hard on yourself. And, and almost the things we've just covered, there's like five broad categories, you know, it's like sit back and say, what's my body type from what you're saying? What are my genetics? Yes. You know, can I, I'm going to fight this thing, but it's yes. going to be a fight because I haven't psychologically understood. I can fight as hard as I want. It's not a fight because when I wake up in the morning, this is the way my body is. Yes. And that might be a different conversation with a doctor yes. than it is with a dietitian. you yeah. know? And so again, you can give whatever man, food management plan you want, but it sounds like before you get out the starting blocks, they're real daily challenges that, you know, mentally, psychologically, physically one has to deal with. Yes. Um, you know, and then like we're saying, it's like, okay, within that person and their body type, what, what are your daily movements? Um, yes. You know, you're sitting at a desk, you're not. And to almost consider those things. And I suppose if they were coming to talk to someone like yourself, having those things equipped and ready to, to talk about would help then in building a plan. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I go, well, as you know, we do quite a lot of talking before we even, before we even formulate the plan. And, and, all the, the answers to all the questions that I ask and we discuss are really, really important in feeding into that. Um, otherwise, you know, if I'm not understanding why the person perhaps is having you know, more snacks than they should or why they're eating at night, um, maybe it's due to anxiety. If I don't understand these things, I can't help them because there is a lot of psychology behind it. You know, eating is a behaviour after all for us humans. You know, we don't just eat to fill our stomachs. We eat for lots of different reasons, um, socially, because we like the taste. Sometimes we eat because we're tired or we're stressed or we're thirsty. You know, there's all these reasons. So, so, so understanding that and, and working with the person um, to sort of to, 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 to work on changing behaviour and habits is as important as, as the food choices for sure. Mm. And I think that's so important because, you know, as you know, I'm an advocate for your approach. Yes. And I think, as you said, the way you absorb someone, you know, understanding and background and all these things we've just said. Yes. Sounds quite simple. But if I parallel that to the, the result, right, and and how someone needs to push their comfort zone to actually achieve that result, I think sometimes therein lies the problem. In other words, I've had the same thing. Friends say, you know, people say to me they've been to a dietitian, they don't work. Mm. Right, they've been to a nutritionist, it doesn't work. Mm. But I think from this conversation, I hope our listeners are taking away that it's almost you have to arrive at the start line and be ready to run the race. But if you're not prepared, you're almost setting yourself up to fail. Yes, I think that just being ready, and I have clients sometimes that are not quite there in terms of readiness, and I suppose they haven't said, Okay, I'm doing this now, and so you know, they'll have results, but they might not be the results that they want. Whereas sometimes just the switch goes on um, and suddenly, you know, they're losing weight and every week and they're happy and they're they're saying I'm feeling so much uh, fitter and less tired and things. Um, yeah, that, that motivation is, is key and really, I guess, wanting it. Why do you want to lose weight or why is it important for you to improve your health? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a saying, a man makes a plan or he makes an excuse, you know, and it's very true. You know, we can make lots of excuses. So, um, but once people have decided I'm doing this and that's it, there's no stopping them. There's absolutely, you know, there's no stopping them. That's for sure. So, I mean, to surface the elephant in the room and I, this might, this might be a difficult one and put you on the spot, but I suppose, do you have advice for the person, the man or the woman out there who's mm. they've been to see a number of dietitians, nutritionists, their doctor, mm. and it's just not working for them. And mm. if I park that question on one side and I, I bring up some of the things we've just discussed, timing, readiness, yes. Yes. what is the goal? Like with the timing, the readiness, 
body shape, genome, someone not being ready. Yes. How, how would you, is there any advice you can give to someone where you could say, look, this is maybe how to go about it the next time. Yes. Differently. Yes. To get a result. Yes. Once and for all. I guess, I guess the big, often the, the big, the, the, that switch going on, like being ready is, is, is pivotal. If they're not ready, if they're not, if this isn't important, because I guess, you know, we're all busy in life. We have jobs, we have families, we have friends, you know, extracurricular activities or hobbies or interests and things. And I guess if you really want something, it does have to be a priority, you know, um, if you want that promotion at work, if you if you want to lose weight, if you want to train for the marathon, it has to be a priority. If you say, you know what, I'll do it tomorrow or it'll happen on the weekend, it, no, it's got to be sort of at the front of the of the list. So I, I guess people making commitment to themselves that this is this is going to be a priority and they're going to do a little something every day towards that goal. That's important and. Quite often, you know, a, a, a dietitian or a, or a psychologist or a friend can help you get to that point. But I think ultimately it often does come down to the person. Are they ready and are they willing to do that? Um, yeah, to, to sort of make it a priority and, and say, this is, this is what I want to do. So that's, and that's, that's hard. That can be difficult. You know, people can spend a long time in that pre-contemplative um, sort of stage where they're like, I want to, I do want to, but I just can't get myself to do it. Um, yeah, can be can be challenging. So it was a difficult question. So, and mm. I think that's a great response. And um, you know, to kind of, it sounds like what is the motivation is the most important exactly. thing. And and again, to what we're saying, it's not always about weight loss, but it could be a health issue. It could be 100%. just healthy eating. Yeah, there's something else, Chloe, that I think that I think is an interesting concept. And I I kind of have been applying this in my in my own backdrop, and it's helped me bring in a lot of followers to kind of the mission of getting healthy and getting up and doing things. And I think applying it to health might be the same. And that's looking at these things from a proactive versus a reactive mindset. Um, so, you know, the doctor says someone's on their way to diabetes and they need to lose weight, mm. you know, or, uh, you know, someone standing and looking in the mirror and displeased with themselves. And that's like, okay, now I've got to do it. Mm. And so I suppose that that's obviously, I'm sure, a big part, like, is that a big part of the clients that you see? If I set out of 100, is that 80%? Is it 30% where people so are they, reactive? Yes. I would say, well, it, it, it probably changes depending <laughs> on my, my week or my month, I suppose. But look, yeah, look, often I would say more often we're, we're quite reactive. Um, so, you know, the doctor said, okay, you're on your way to diabetes um, or, you know, you've got fatty liver disease. You know, if, if you, if you sit tight and do absolutely nothing, don't change the way you eat or you know, drink alcohol or exercise, you're going to get diabetes in a few years time from fatty liver or, um, you know, I've, I've treated your mother for years, you know, her cholesterol was going up, her blood pressure. You are going to be on those same medications if you don't do anything, if you don't change something. Um, and I, I, I've said to clients in the past, you know, okay, you're, you're 50 now. How do you want to be when you're 55? Do you want to be that 55-year-old, the one over there that's, you know, playing with grandchildren perhaps or, you know, fit and enjoying quite an active lifestyle and, you know, enjoying life to the full? Or do you want to be the 55-year-old sitting over there that's, you know, 
panting as they walk up the stairs and on lots of medications and sort of looking down the barrel of, you know, more medications and sort of ill health as well. So, yes, we, we do tend to be quite reactive, but um, I, I try as much as possible to encourage people to be proactive and, and look after their health because I see, I see both ends of the spectrum, people who do look after their health and, you know, um, and then people who, who really don't and, and, and sort of what, what can occur and, and how it really affects their quality of life. Um, and, it, you know, often it is preventable. So, yeah. So I think the lesson there is, you know, okay, so if a lot of people are reactive and they get some kind of bad news or some revelation, they get started. And I, yes. I also think the baseline is a tough one. Um, because maybe they've, they kind of six months ago had the thoughts, I'm, I'm not in a good place. And then fast forward six months, they, they look a person, certain way or they've got this diagnosis. So what I'd love for people to take away is this proactive mindset instead. Yes. Right. And so like we've done, you and I together, I've come to see you for a proactive maintenance plan based on, you know, food plan. Uh, what we identified is I'm not eating enough veggies on the mm. other half of the mm. plate. Mm. Uh, and so even on our subsequent appointments, there's been no point coming to see you until I start to shift my diet Yes, and then adding all my exercise on top. Yes. So if you could give a couple tips to somebody to say, okay, let's shift this paradigm from reactive to proactive, how would you recommend they go about that? So I would say pick one or two changes that you can make. So don't try to change everything all at once. That's generally um, too difficult and, and not sustainable. And what we see um, is, is that people who sort of make one or two changes, practice those, get those under their belts, form sort of some new healthier habits, and then say to themselves a couple months down the track, okay, great. Um, I've done that through winter. I've done that well. You know, now I'm going to, it's springtime, I'm going to make another change. And, and I guess my, my top tips would be certainly trying to eat more vegetables, um, <laughs> as I said to you, because only about 4% of Australian adults get enough veggies. So 4%, yeah. you know, it's, it's not great. And we know that people who eat more vegetables, ideally half a plate of veggies or salad at lunch and dinner, they tend to live longer. They have lower risk of, of diabetes, heart disease, cancer. They manage their weight better. Um, they have better immunity, which is obviously very pertinent in these times, better energy levels, and they just feel better, which is to me often the most rewarding thing when someone says, gosh, I just feel so much better or I've got so much more energy or I feel like I did years ago, which is, which is great. So eating more vegetables or, or looking at how much veggies you're having, and as I said, that approximately that half a plate at lunch and dinner is, is ideal. Um, Drinking more water often as well. I, I would say 80% of the people, when I say, how much water did you drink in a day? They say, not enough. That's the standard response. <laughs> and that's also, you know, big, feel, making sure we're hydrated when the human body does lose about two litres of fluid a day, obviously sweating and talking and going to the bathroom and things. Um, so drinking more water, often people come back to me and say, that's the best thing you told me. Out of everything you told me, that was the best thing. So <laughs> those are the two things I'd say probably work on that most people could work on. Yeah, because it's, it's also interesting, this connection between the body and the mind yes. and how we think about things and how we do things. But that balance, that like that mindset of reactive, and also the way people search online for information or talk to their doctor or their dietitian. I think when you're on the back foot, you behave that way. Yes. When you're on the front foot, you're very much leading the charge and taking control. Yes. So I think being on the being reactive, you're looking for the quick fix, and when you're looking for the quick fix, then 
you know, the keto diet, the paleo diet, um, the cabbage soup diet. Um, I'm going to drink, you know, lemon water with pepper in it and that's going to boost my metabolism. Like all these things then look very attractive. And the, the issue with most fad diets out there, there's a lot of information out there, but it's often just not, not valid. It's not evidence-based. It's not proven. So people then try these things and, and get, I think, discouraged and then, and then further away from possibly what, what is going to make them feel better. Um, so, yes, we, 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 we become very vulnerable to the very appealing quick fixes when we're, when we're being reactive, that's for sure. And that's a shame, I think. And it's also, you know, I constantly have this debate with people around me between eating well and not gaining weight. And I've specifically chosen my words there versus exercise or not versus in addition to an exercise plan and that, you know, one could just eat well and the weight wouldn't be an issue. But how much do you think exercise plays a role? You know, and I'm not talking about hardcore marathons or speed work on sprinting, just going for, a, let's say, two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that impact kind of the dietitian, the nutrition part of it? Yes. Um, I mean, if you're talking weight loss specifically, then we generally say that it's 70% about the eating and 30% about the exercise. Um, I mean, just, just the average person just looking to sort of get healthier um, yeah, like, I mean, I would recommend exercising at, at, at least three times a week. I mean, that's the sort of the standard recommendation, you know, at least 30 minutes, three times a week. Um, and I always say to people, whatever you enjoy, because if you enjoy the movement or the activity doing that you're doing, you'll keep doing it. If you absolutely hate doing laps up and down the swimming pool, then, you know, you've got to look at doing something else. And whether it's, you know, an online workout, which are obviously more and more popular now at home, um, especially, I guess, in winter. If it's walking, um, especially going with a, a friend, um, you know, where you're chattering and you don't, you know, even realise that you're exercising, using listening to a podcast or music will often, you know, that anything which I guess um, engages the mind will often keep the body moving because, you know, you don't get, you don't get bored. Um, you know, dancing in front of the television, um, Zumba, um, whatever you enjoy is, is what you should, what you should plan on doing. And often say, you know, if exercise is a pill, we give it to everybody. It's good for blood pressure, cholesterol, see mental health, stress, um, you know, muscle, building your muscle. It's, it's good for everything. So, um, so yeah, look, it's a very, very important part of, of lifestyle. That's for sure. Um, and kind of then like coming that mental health word, like coming into um, kind of a plan. So for those on the call that are thinking, yes, like all of this applies to me and, you know, from a reactive side, I've tried so hard, it hasn't worked. The flip side, those that are actually healthy and thinking, okay, I'm, I'm listening to this proactive approach. I'd love to try that. Where does the, the, the mental part of things, and I suppose diet has, you know, food, it has such a big way in on the mental um, health part of all of this. So mm-hmm. can we put a lens on, on the mental health outcomes in terms of the mindset of aligning with a goal from a diet point of view? Okay, so so you're saying um, like like uh, it, how it will benefit your mental health? Do you mean if you if you sort of got a plan and you're yeah, I think from a you know if someone came in to see you from a reaction point of view, I have to lose this weight. So I guess yeah, look, ideally a proactive approach is better. It's more. I suppose, positive, if you can say that. Um, the person may be a little bit more ready. Um, as you say, they feel like they're on the front foot. They probably feel a little bit more 
in control, which is obviously a feeling that we we like to have, um, and that they're they're going to manage, they're going to put together a plan with me. It's going to be a um, as you say a proactive um, approach. They'll probably be more engaged in what they're going to do. Someone if they're coming from a more re- reactive mindset, um, they're often a little bit more I guess, scared or unsettled. Um, they're thinking, I need to do something. I need to do something fast, and and then they may be a little bit more slightly less willing to um, jump in and um, I guess I guess start as well. So so yeah, look, ideally you want to be proactive. Um, and I guess that's always been my sort of personal approach. Um, people say to me, oh why do you, you know how do you always eat well and how do you do other things? I, I guess because I'd rather do that than, you know, worry about the the after effects if you know you don't eat well or you're not you know you don't feel so good if you don't like look after yourself i i've always thought proactive is 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 a is a better approach and, and an easier sort of route to take um and and you know you have all those benefits from have having a proactive approach to your health also um so yes it's as you say on the front foot that's a very good um a very good analogy that being on the front foot i think is is more people feel that they're going to achieve better that way. And I think that's certainly the case. Um, yeah. So it's weird. It's like, and I think the society we live, it's so, it's so geared. Yeah. I think on the negative side, to be blunt, mm. like there's mm. chips and chocolate and fried food, quick food everywhere. Mm. Uh, and I think that that like mental health, that takes a toll. Because yes. we programmed this way from when we born. It's like you yes. enter this world. So, and you know, you think of hunter gatherer and and those days, right? It was survival. It's survival food. Yes. But it's, but it's almost um, it's it's disheartening. And I think maybe as we draw towards the the, the pointy end of the podcast today, you know, we've covered so much. Um, but I think, like, kind of to summarize, I think the, the biggest advice I'd give to lis- listeners out there is being birthed into this world of difficulty. Mm-hmm. on a diet level, on a health level. It sounds to me what you've just described when you're talking to your friends is like, you just wake up and be healthy. And ironically, we're saying that's like a proactive approach to eating because our baseline is quite negative to begin with. It's quite difficult to begin with. We almost forced into reaction because most from what I'm hearing you say, most people that come see you are already with the problem. Yes, definitely. Mm. Um, and so I don't know, um, Chloe, I, I, I might even like hand it back if you were to summarize and kind of um, harbour it across message you could send those um, listening to today. Um, maybe I'll lead the summary by saying we've covered, you know, proactive, definitely first reactive. What I'm hearing you also say is maybe don't lean on the dietitian for a plan, go in with a plan of the goal you want to achieve and then work on that plan together. Yes. And that plan, the backdrop of a person's frame, their genome, their health issues, their mental state, the body, um, taking those kind of pillars into account. Hopefully this podcast can equip them, even if they literally write those things down with, okay, how do I start building this plan? And so they can almost go in with a cheat sheet, maybe, you know, if they're not seeing you to come in with a cheat sheet and say, right, you know, I've got to take into account these things. And or, or leave and cross-reference those things and say, did, did they see a dietitian or nutritionist that follow that kind of guideline? Because it just sounds like healthy living to me. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I guess just remembering always, you know, prevention is better than the cure. I mean, it's such a cliche, isn't it? But it's, mm. you know, really. And I, and I think people often, I think, get used to feeling 
average, I suppose. If they're not eating well, they get used to feeling average and it becomes almost the norm. So if you, you know, if you can, if you can see someone or have a conversation about your health, it's, it's, it's always beneficial. It's one of the few guarantees in life. You know, you eat better, you feel better. And how many guarantees do we get? We don't get too many, do we? So, yeah, you know, you, you will feel better. Um, yes, it takes a little bit of effort, but I think it is well worthwhile. That's for sure. Mm. And, you know, if I was to leave listeners with like a major tip that really influenced my life, um, it's maybe, you know, there's this notion to step on a scale, you know, every day and use that as the balance. Like, like, did I lose today? Did I gain today? But I'd almost say convert that time and energy to looking at, at one's calendar. Mm. And so listening to this, if they want to get serious about not losing weight, a, a healthy food management plan, mm. I'd almost say sit back. Look at the calendar and say, you know, I'm, if, I, if I'm a, a busy parent and I do lifts and drop-offs and I have no time to exercise, you know, there's all, after drop-off. It's like I'd almost say, literally look back and say, look at my life, look at my calendar, reset to now and worry about how do I plug exercise in? Mm. Um, I know you, you shared with me certain apps. Um, again, I'll put in the show notes. I think it's free. It's the MyFitnessPal app. Mm. Um, I found it quite difficult to log everything. And you, you said it came with that caveat mm. that, you know, if, if you're into that mindset or you need that, some people might need that. There's a tool, um, yes. which again, I'll include. But my biggest advice is for people to actually sit back, take this virtual plan, those points we said before, mm. and actually almost map it out and get serious about it. Um, and and step outside the comfort zone to commit to it. Yes. You know, and put a goal. Yes, and absolutely. Planning is so important. Um, if you've got a goal, obviously, but just, you know, trying to fit a bit of exercise in, when am I going to plan, you know, healthy meals? Even just on a Sunday, like 10 minutes thinking, okay, this is what we're going to have for dinner Monday night and Tuesday night. Even if you only set that up for the week, it's really helpful. It just makes things easier. Um, yeah. So, so I, I agree. Looking at the calendar and thinking, how am I going to do this? Where am I going to fit it in? Because if you, if you want to, you absolutely can. There's no doubt. But um, yeah, you just got to sit down and have a bit of a think about it. Well, I just hope, you know, coming from you, the professional and, and, and me in a different way, uh, hoping that this has inspired people to kind of step outside the comfort zone and once and for all, if that's their backdrop or proactively improving or gearing better or getting to feel better if they're high powered athletes, yeah. I hope this isn't motivating them and inspiring to do it. So Chloe, it's been so cool to have you on the show today and on this podcast. And I think just for our listeners, if they don't have their own resources, how do they get in touch with you uh, and how do they go about starting if they want to get on some kind of proactive plan or otherwise? Absolutely. Um, so perhaps if they see my, my website, um, and Glenn, maybe you'll put that in the show notes. Yes, so we'll they include can, that in the show um, notes. You can certainly email me through my, my website. Um, uh, so, yeah, that would be probably the easiest way. And, you know, I can do telehealth. Um, obviously, that's the, the way of the future now with COVID. So um, video calls or, or phone calls. So, you know, you're in the comfort of your own home. You don't have to leave or go anywhere. Um, it's Medicare rebatable as well. Um, or if you've got private health insurance, um, they'll usually give you a rebate for that too. So, um, yeah, that's probably the easiest, quickest, most straightforward way. Um, contact me. Um, we can set up an appointment. Um, and, yeah, and Chloe, I know that you are one of, if like your accreditations are 
are quite important and quite awesome. So we, we're trying to build a community around, the, you know, outside your comfort zone. And um, as you know, like I've, I've registered the comfort zone coach.com.au and the website will be launching there soon. But I think whether you're in Perth or wherever you're listening to this on the planet, the beauty is that Chloe's not limited. Uh, so if you, if you're kind of out there, um, you know, the outer parts of Australia and, and you need an awesome um, dietitian, nutritionist. Chloe is accredited and certified. Chloe, maybe you can just talk about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I'm an APD, Australian practice, Accredited Practicing Dietitian, sorry, registered with the Dietitians Australia. Um, you know, we have to um, maintain our accreditation every year. So, um, yeah, it's very sort of regulated. And, yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got a Clients at the moment in Melbourne, I've got um, one up near Townsville, I've got one near Kalgoorlie in, in Western Australia, so it's always a bit um, tricky working out the time difference, but that's doable. Um, I've even had clients, I had a couple in London as well, so it's all um, it's all doable, it's all definitely doable. So, yeah, so, so please reach out if you, if you need help, I'd love to help. And I know, Chloe, I love your approach. Um, those that have listened to my last podcast with Ian, my physiotherapist, the same kind of thing, you know, just um, no one diet that you sell per se. It's just a philosophy of healthy lifestyle. And I'd encourage anybody that doesn't have their own resources to reach out, get in touch. Thank you so much again. It's been just super cool. And I look forward to seeing you back on the show next time. Absolutely. Thank you. And I'd love to come back. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Outside Your Comfort Zone with Glenn Miller, your comfort zone coach. If you like what you hear, help spread the word. Subscribe to the podcast and invite a friend. For show notes, links and extra goodies, visit comfortzonecoach.com.au.